Hey there, fellow construction aficionados. Welcome to this new edition of the Construction Cashflow Show. I'm your host, Stu Davidson, and buckle up because today we've got a dynamo in the house. None other than Craig Alexander Rattry. He's the financial virtuoso who's all about ramping up profits, supercharging cash flow, and boosting shareholder value for construction mavericks just like us. Get ready for a roller coaster of financial wisdom tailored just for our industry. So let's dive straight in. Oh, and hey, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We've got loads more insights coming your way. Plus, join the conversation over at constructioncashflow.locals.com. So let's keep the momentum going. And so without further ado, here's Craig. So I want to make sure that my clients have got good up-to-date information and management accounts so we can actually learn from that information. What did we do last month? Why, why are we different from budget? Are we good different? Let's do more of it. Are we bad different, right? What do we need to change? Did we not price it right or did we not deliver it operationally properly? Let's break it down by project and understand that. And if you can do all of that, you can then enhance your margin and you can enhance your cash flow. And if you're looking forward as well and you've got the forecast, you can then work out what funding you need in order to grow the business. And for me, that's that's the key to success. The key to success is looking forward. Most business owners are in business because they are good operationally. So they set up a business because they could build houses or they could fix roofs or, or, or whatever that may be. That was their skill. It wasn't about running a business. And, and most business owners haven't been taught uh, anything about finance. So most don't know what a profit loss account is or a balance sheet is. They don't know the concept of forecasting and, and what banks need and what investors need. And over the last year, I think last, last May, I, I set up Know Your Numbers, knowyournumbers.biz. And that's where I, I take groups of business owners and I educate them on all things finance, done over a six month period. And I tell them about a profit loss account, a balance sheet, about cash flows, forecasts, funding, cash, and things like gross margin and EBITDA, the things that accountants don't want you to know. And, and, I, and, and, that, and that might be contra- um, controversial, but in my experience, it's true because most accountants don't educate business owners. They don't explain things. They ask you to turn up once a year to sign your accounts and tell you to send the revenue a check. See you again next year. There's, there's no added value whatsoever in that. And, and the business owner at the end of the day isn't getting any advice in terms of making their business better. Or, or, or understanding the dynamics and the cash flow and the working capital and all those sorts of things. So I, I really make an effort to educate my clients and in the Know Your Numbers, we're, we're doing that with, with a variety of businesses. Most business owners are in business because they are good operationally. So they set up a business because they could build houses or they could fix roofs or, or, or whatever that may be. That was their skill. It wasn't about running a business. And, and most business owners haven't been taught Uh, anything about finance. So most don't know what a profit loss account is or a balance sheet is. They don't know the concept of forecasting and and what banks need and what investors need. And over the last year, last last May, I I set up Know Your Numbers, knowyournumbers.biz. And that's where um, I I take groups of business owners and I educate them in all things finance, done over a six month period. 
and I tell them about a profit and loss account, a balance sheet, about cash flows, forecasts, funding, cash, and things like gross margin and EBITDA, the things that accountants don't want you to know. And and, I, and, and, that, and that might be contra um, controversial, but in my experience, it's true because most accountants don't educate business owners. They don't explain things. They ask you to turn up once a year to sign your accounts and tell you to send the revenue a check. See you again next year. There's, there's no added value whatsoever in that. And, and the business owner at the end of the day isn't getting any advice in terms of making their business better or, or, or understanding the dynamics and the cash flow and the working capital and all those sorts of things. So I, I really make an effort to educate my clients and in the Know Your Numbers, we're, we're doing that with, with a variety of businesses. Hi, Craig. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Very well, Stu. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. Looking forward to chatting today. You're most welcome. So tell us, Craig, how did you get to where you are now and some of the challenges you faced along the way and also some of the successes? Okay. Um, I guess the, the starting point, I suppose the first challenge was that I, I was born in a, into a, a council flat in the outskirts of, of Wishaw in, in Lanarkshire in Scotland and none of my family had ever gone to university. And throughout school I always did well, I was always top of my class and for some reason I wanted to go to university. I still have no idea why to this day. wanted to do a lot of accounts, decided I'd do accounts because I was more mathematically minded did a degree at University of Strathclyde, basic accounting with some, some other business topics as well. Applied to the big six, as was at the time. I wanted to work for an international firm. My plan was to go and work abroad somewhere at some point. I got six offers from the six of them, so that was very fortunate. Chose to work at Anderson's, uh, Arthur Anderson, um, as was. They were, they were fine when I left them. Um, training was great. I got a broad, broad experience, but I got probably about half of my time was in corporate finance. And I quickly realized that I didn't enjoy audit because audit added nothing in my view. We were looking back at something that had happened, couldn't change it, couldn't influence it. Whereas the corporate finance side of things was, it was exciting and, and it was about value and being commercial. So enjoyed that. Plan was to move full time into the team. As part of that, I did a secondment to the private equity arm of one of the, the banks based in Glasgow. Did that for six months and didn't get around to going back. I, I took up an offer of full-time employment there, stayed there for a couple of years, then moved on to a, another VC firm and then another private equity firm. That was probably about four years or so post-qualification. Then I moved into industry. I did a financial controller role for one of my former investee companies who had been bought by a New York Stock Exchange listed company. And I learned more in the 18 months in industry than I had in the previous eight, nine years through my CA training and through all my you know, VC private equity experience because we were at the coalface. It was about paying the wages on time. It was about paying the suppliers. It was about keeping things moving because the business was struggling a bit. And that's where I learned the concept of doing everything every day from a financial perspective. You know, Do your bank rights, do, do your purchase invoices, do your sales invoices. And, and then you're always up to date. And this, this was long before online accounting and online banking. So it was, it was more difficult, but it was still possible. So I, mo I moved on from there, worked with a former boss doing a variety of different projects, helping growing ambitious companies. But I, I was more the doing rather than the thinking and come up, coming up with ideas uh, because he was a bit older than me. 
Then I did did a couple of FD roles. I did some investment in German property. I think we invested about a billion euros in six months. And I was the corporate finance director and finance director. So that was great. And then I joined the corporate finance and business management boutique and enjoyed it. But it's not really what I wanted. I always felt there was something missing. And I really wanted to set up myself. So in 2009, I set up CR Corp Solutions. And that was basically set up to provide more hands-on, one-to-one experience to growing ambitious companies and help them with the financial information, the funding, and just the, the development and the implementation of, implementation of the strategy to help them you know, growing forward. And it's just grown arms and legs since then. It's, um, it's quite scary looking back that that was 2009 because part, part of it feels like yesterday. It's an amazing record and you've obviously covered every part of the from corporate to large accounts to uh, to investment to small businesses. And, you know, how do you you mentioned about years ago? I remember when I first started well, I started my first business in 1984. It was a steelwork company and we were doing things. Everything was written down. Everything was by check, by post, uh, written ledgers and stuff like that. And uh, it's changed so much now. Um, how do you see, you know, with um, the advent of digital technology and, and thinking about small businesses and, and construction industries, you know, it's got its giants, but it's also got a lot of very small businesses. Do you feel that uh, with technology and digitization, do, do you think that in, enhances a business owner's um, resolve to look at his finances daily, weekly, monthly, or do you think it makes us a bit lazy? <laughs> I, I don't I no no I, I don't think it does but what it does do it takes away the excuses there are no longer any excuses for not being up to date as I said before I learned what was that 20 25 plus years ago nearly 30 years ago do everything every day so there's no reason why you can't be fully up to date now it's not for the business owner to do that himself there's all sorts of apps there's bookkeepers whether internal or external or outsourced so I operate with my clients that someone is doing something every day and, and and fine, you might slip a day or so if something happens. But in general, we are we are real time information, so there's no excuse. I think the problem we have with most business owners is is the one of education. That most business owners are in business because they are good operationally. So they set up a business because they could build houses or they could fix roofs or or, or whatever that may be. That was their skill. It wasn't about running a business. And and most business owners haven't been taught uh, anything about finance. So most don't know what a profit and loss account is or a balance sheet is. They don't know the concept of forecasting and, and what banks need and what investors need. And over the last year, I think last, last May, I, I set up Know Your Numbers, knowyournumbers.biz. And that's where um, I, I take groups of business owners and I educate them in all things finance done over a six month period. And I tell them about a profit and loss account, a balance sheet, about cash flows forecasts, funding, cash, and things like gross margin and EBITDA, the things that accountants don't want you to know. And and, I, and, and, that, and that might be contra, um, controversial, but in my experience, it's true because most accountants don't educate business owners. They don't explain things. They ask you to turn up once a year to sign your accounts and tell you to send the revenue a check. See you again next year. There's, there's no added value whatsoever in that. And, and the business owner at the end of the day isn't getting any advice in terms of making their business better or, or or understanding the dynamics and the cash flow and the working capital and all those sorts of things. So I, I really make an effort to educate my clients and in the Know Your Numbers 
we're, we're doing that with with a variety of businesses it's really important isn't it to be able to understand management accounts and, and exactly right what you say is my experience with accountants that they'll, they'll run the accounts you know uh, a, a slice through time but but when you want to see how can i manage the business what things do i need to what indicators do i need you know how yeah. do i measure how well i'm doing how not you know you know that kind of thing it is there is a gap and and i think the work that you're doing there is is really needed and in your book actually i was i was staggered to see how many people or how many businesses don't actually have uh, a proper system for managing their accounts or even whether they do cash flow analysis at all yeah most most don't unfortunately Stu. that that's that's why we've got we've got the problems in many businesses that we do have and in and construction in particular because construction has its own nuances in terms of the making you know, all main contractors and, and the way a lot of the subbies are treated um now there's part of that that i don't have a lot of sympathy for because the subbies allow themselves to be treated that way and you know i, I guess we'll probably talk about that later um but but in terms of the accountants as well you know the, the accountants um can tell you what happened last week or last month or well at least some of them can you know because they're always looking back uh, the, the the key for me and, and a good finance director a good finance person can tell you what's going to happen next week or next month based on what your you business owner are telling them and that's the key is about the looking forward part yes you need to understand where you are yes you need to understand where you've been but that's all happened we can't change that we can't influence that so i want to make sure that my clients have got good up-to-date information and management accounts so we can actually learn from that information what did we do last month why why are we different from budget are we good different let's do more of it are we bad different right what do we need to change did we not price it right or did we not deliver it operationally properly let's break it down by project and understand that and if you can do all of that you can then enhance your margin and you can enhance your cash flow and if you're looking forward as well and you've got the forecast you can then work out what funding you need in order to grow the business and for me that's that's the key to success the key to success is looking forward i, I wonder sometimes how much subcontractor failure is down to we're being unfairly treated or in fact we're not looking at our books often enough we haven't got systems in place we don't really know where we are financially we're waiting to the end of the year to think well you know to ask the question oh how are we done we made a profit you know so <laughs> so as you say and you, can't do, and you can't do anything about it at that point I, I started working with a client in December. It was probably January when 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 we started, and his year ends March, and and he was well behind with information for lots of different reasons. So we got everything pulled together. We got the forecast sorted out, and he then realised where he was losing money or where he wasn't making as much as he should be. But it was nine months too late. You know, he lost he lost that whole period of time because if he had known nine months before, he would have changed certain things. But he wasn't looking at that. And, and again, that's that's just a, it's a lack of knowledge, a lack of education and just not having the right finance person sitting alongside you. It's not for me, it's not a case of, right, let's produce our accounts in seven days and you know, aren't we really clever, pat ourselves in the back. It's about taking that information, using it to make better decisions and to influence where we're going in terms of next month, next quarter, next year. That's what that's what it's all about. That's where you get the real value from the information. How much do you think that it's around understanding your client's cash flow strategy and your supplier's cash flow strategy? Because what I often see in construction is never the time that they, they meet. You know, they've all got different strategies. So your, you know, your your mid-size tier three, tier two, 
has got one strategy and then your tier one has got another strategy and then the developer's got another strategy so they're all there's this tension they're, they're all yeah. trying to so if you talk to a national main contractor quite often it's they're not so much you know the the, the construction arm is generally generates cash for their investments elsewhere Sure, so yes. they're, 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 they're wanting to be cash rich and then it's where they invest elsewhere is where they make their profit, but not necessarily within the construction uh, project. You know, so they may yeah. they may yeah. be happy with two to five percent on on the on the construction project. But so they're looking to negotiate payment terms. They want to negotiate long, long payment terms with their supply chain and short payment terms with their developer. Yet the supplier. Uh, you know the the subcontractor may get all his may, may be looking at all his profit uh, within that particular project. Yeah. You know, so how how do you think um, that could be resolved in 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 a way to reconcile some of those differences that create so much friction and tension within that kind of ecosphere, if you like, of yeah. construction. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose there's two points there. Um, the first one for me is that you get what you tolerate, right? So if you put up with someone paying you 90 days, they'll keep paying you 90 days, okay? Uh, and the second point is if you're agreeing pricing and agreeing a contract at the start, you've got to remember that your contract, let's ignore all the other terms, but the, 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 two, the two main terms in, in, in the contract is the price and is the cash flow. So if you agree the price is £100,000 and you're paid in 30 days, right? It's a... That that that's the overall agreement. It's not a case of the price is a hundred and we'll pay you ninety days. No, we've agreed the price is a hundred. You'll pay in thirty days, and you got to get that right up front. And one of the things that my my clients have been good at doing is pushing back on that. And and there's a couple of ways you can do that. One one you agree on you agree to the start, but the second one is if you can differentiate your product or service so you're not a me too. Because at the end of the day, we can all be the cheapest. You know, if we decide today we want to be the cheapest for somebody, we can do that. And and I think that's one of the big problems you have in construction that people will put in prices. Oh, you'll get it if you just knock it down ten percent, or if you do this, or you do that, or you push the cash flow in thirty days. Right? And 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 what you've got to have is you've got to have the confidence to push back on that and just say no. That's my price. That's my cash flow. If you don't want to do it, I'll go elsewhere. And the problem we have is that there's always somebody who's prepared to do it for that 10% less or to take the 30 days longer in terms of the, the, the cash flow. And as long as there's always someone prepared to do that, the main contractors are, and, and, and the you know, second tier, whatever, they're, all, they're always going to keep pushing back on that. So you've got to have the confidence, I think, just to say, no, that's my price. That's my terms. And if they're not doing it, you stop what you're doing. And, and again, that might be a bit controversial, but no, you, you've agreed to pay us X within this time scale. If you're not doing it, we're downing tools. That's it. And and if if you start doing that, then people people then, then will re respect that. And if you can then start building relationships, because with the best will in the world, mo most main contractors, they're not very nice to deal with because they've got someone on site who's managing the job and his job is to get it done on time, on budget and to screw the subbies as much as he can. And, and and you you know yourself that is the diktat from from on top from a lot of these companies. So it, so it's not nice to work in that. And if you can build the right sort of relationship with someone and show them that you're good at what you do, you'll deliver on price, you'll deliver on budget, and you'll do it to high quality. Then you'll get those people coming back. So I've, I've got clients who do work for main contractors, and we have no issue with um, the price. 
and with the payment terms because that's what we've agreed and, and we make sure we enforce it. So if you're tolerating it, you'll keep getting it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the message that seems to be coming back time and time again, particularly with guests at the show. And, you know, differentiating your, yourself, it's difficult for, particularly now, I, I think in this climate, it's difficult for main contractors to find good subcontractors or good specialist contractors, should I say, you know, to do the work. So they don't really want to lose their, their good suppliers, you know, supply chain. And exactly and 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 again one of the problems in in the sector is that it's it seen as it's seen as a it's a zero-sum game you know i win you lose right and it doesn't need to be like that you know if we could change relationships and the way people deal with each other let's make it a win-win for everyone and it might sound corny or cheesy and people will be listening saying ah oh, that's nonsense it'll never happen well it'll never happen as long as people keep putting up with what they're putting up with if you can go and have that sort of relationship like a number of my clients have, then it works because you get one job, you get it sorted, you move on to the next job. And if you get a reputation for delivering quality on price, on time, people will keep working with you. One of the things I talk about quite a bit on the on the show is is cash farming. So the yeah. different strategies that main contractors have. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there there's the um, you know, they want to use the cash to make investments. And yeah. so they want to agree the best possible payment terms with their suppliers and with their clients. And the thing is with that, that causes a friction, it causes longer payment terms, it puts pressure on the supply chain with longer payment terms. As you yourself, being involved in, in, in investment strategies, as you mentioned earlier, I'm wondering whether there's any room for the top tier main contractors to start to involve their supply chains or supply networks in those investments so that they're actually on you know they've got some skin in the game i mean i'm not sure whether it actually happens or whether they 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 actually discuss that i've never seen it discussed with with any suppliers but it seems to me that you know to get them all batting off the same wicket to say, yeah. why are we all here? But they might even find more investment through their supply chain if they involve the supply chain in what they're doing than if they actually try to use their supply chain as cash. You know, they, they, they're they getting free, yeah. free, free borrowing off the supply chain. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's back to the win-win, creating win-win solutions. And, and to matter, I, I have no issue with people paying in 60 days or 90 days, as long as that's the agreement. But if the agreement is the price is X and you pay in 30 days, well, you pay in 30 days. If you, main contractor, are telling me you'll pay me in 60 or 90, okay, I will price it according to that, and then I'll go and get the funding. Where where companies have the problem is where they priced it on the back of 30 days, and the main contractor finds any excuse they can to pay in 90, or or to pay, you know, they're putting an application for 200 and they'll get 120. You know that sort of nonsense, and it, and it happens. It happens a lot mm. with people I know. And that and that for me is where we're 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 not all playing, you know, the um the right sort of game we should be playing together. You know, we should all be we should all be playing nicely, in my view. Yeah, I mean you're right. It it gets down to the the, the construction contract and, and you're right, where you, you mentioned earlier, you know, the uh the subcontractor should push back and, and have their own terms and conditions. Because the thing is these these standard forms of contract and quite often amended, they tend to be written in, in in the main contractor's favor so for oh, example we talked yeah. about yeah we talked about walking off site and downing tools well quite often 
the, the contract terms are well you can't do that you'll be in breach of contract you know yes it, and, and again that's getting the terms right at the start and i'm not suggesting that the, you know the subbies can come and say here's our terms because the main contractors won't live with that but what you can you can negotiate certain things and if you agree that you're paid in 30 days and you're not well that's a breach so on that basis you should be able to down tools and I go back to if if they want paid in 60 or 90 or they're going to pay in 60 or 90, that's fine. But let's agree that at the start. Let's actually yeah. honour what we agree. That's all I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about people honouring the things that they're signing and not trying to come up with excuses just for the sake of it to knock 50 grand off here or 100 grand off here. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these people need the money at the end of the month to pay their uh, to pay their, their wages and, they, and their own subbies. I was quite interested in some of your case studies in your book and how you support you've supported businesses of various different sizes who would be your who would be your kind of do you have a typical type of business that come to you is it mainly construction do you get businesses from other industries yeah. uh, come to you you know what where's your core client base it's it, it it's a real mix it's it's very much a generalist approach i have because the, the things that I do and the things that I put in place within the companies, they work for any sector or any, any sector I, I've been involved with. I mean, I, I work on the basis of two, two, two main rules. I've got two rules for any business owner. And it's been slightly tweaked based on Warren Buffett's rules for investing. And my two rules are rule one, focus on cash. And rule two, don't forget rule one. You know, and, and, and if you can stick to that, it doesn't matter what sector you're in. And and then you make sure you've got good information, so you get good real time information. So you know you know where you are. So you've got up to date current current management accounts, and 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 some KPIs that are relevant to your business. And I, and I don't mean you know fifteen or twenty KPIs. I mean three or four KPIs that you can actually manage, monitor, but more importantly, you can influence to make performance better. And and you have that up to date. You make sure your historic stuff is done and up to date your statutory accounts your compliance your tax you know your external accountant to do that i i've got um most most of my clients will do that within anywhere between four and eight weeks after the, the year end um some uh, a couple of them did it quicker than that this year with, with uh i think i had four or five march year ends and, and two of them filed the accounts before the end of april which is pretty good and the others were filed in in April, so making sure that's up to date, and then it's about having the the forecast. So having a rolling weekly cash flow forecast, thirteen weeks, where you update that every week for the previous week's actuals, and then you forecast out for thirteen weeks, and you've got a longer term integrated profit and loss account balance sheet and cash flow forecast. That lets you see where you're going. It lets you work out what team do you need to put in place to deliver the the opportunities, the contracts, projects, whatever you've got. And more importantly, it allows you to work out what funding you need. And in doing that, you can then engage with a funder because the information you need to run your business from a financial perspective is exactly what a bank needs to determine whether they will give you the funding. They need to know where you are, where you've been, and more importantly, where you're going. So if you can do all of that, it doesn't matter what sector you're in. At the moment, probably more than 50% of my clients are construction related or providing services into construction related because that's the that's the businesses that seem to suffer most from poor information, poor cash flow and not being properly funded. So naturally, I just ended up doing a bit more of that. What do you think the key problems are that present from from construction related businesses? What are the when they come to you? What what are the key problems that they're facing? Uh, they don't have cash. They don't pay themselves enough and they don't have enough people in the business. 
and that's all down to a lack of funding. Typically, I would, I would say 80% 80, 80 of that is down to a lack of um, a properly funded business. And the reason it's not properly funded is, well, one, the business owner doesn't know because they don't they don't know what they don't know. No one's no one's ever told them properly that you can do this and here's how you get the funding. So so they just continue. They start working eight hour days and it's 10 hour days, 12 hour days, 14 hour days and it's Saturdays, Sundays and, and you know doing everything they can because they don't have enough cash to pay themselves and they don't have enough cash to bring in other people. So so what we do is we we'll have a look at right. What do we need in terms of a team going forward? Because what happens normally is that there's a there's a whole pent up demand of business waiting there for businesses. I can think of two or three clients I've got. I give you a, a couple of examples here where they were turning over roughly a million pounds, but they had all of these other opportunities that they couldn't touch because they didn't have enough cash. Because what was happening was they would do the work, there would be a hiatus, the cash would come in, they'd pay everybody, they'd then do some more work. So it was like they were on the hamster wheel and and it was like wait cash in cash all out then wait and and they weren't able to get these other opportunities so what i do with them is work around what are these opportunities how much do we think that's going to deliver turnover wise what's the what's the team we need to deliver that what's the cost base and then work out from the forecast how much funding we need and then we go to the funder and we engage and we get the funding a, 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 client, a client i met um just over a couple of years ago he was doing about a million pounds at the time and we were chatting about all these opportunities he had right and i was adding up in my head you know i, I was at about three million based on the things he was telling me and i'd said to him what what's your plan for the next what you know three to five years he said i want to get to five million in five years i said well i started laughing i said well why not why not two years based on what you've told me and he started laughing and, and i said i know what the answer is is people in cash and he said absolutely I said, well, I'll do you a deal. I said, if you if what you've told me is right in terms of those opportunities, I guarantee I'll get you to in excess of five million in two years. And he stood up and shook my hand and he said, you're in. And he will do in excess of six million pounds this year. So we're, you know, so we're already on track. The only credit I take for that is putting in place the right information and the right funding. He's gone, he's built the team, he's got the work and he's delivering it at very good margins we're looking at sort of 40 percentage margins and it's you know it's a fantastic business and i've got yes, a couple of, a couple of similar stories like that where the demand was there the owner was just completely stressed no cash didn't know where to go panicking worrying how do i pay the wages next week how do i pay the supplies it's actually quite simple in a lot of this too because if you fix some of the the simple fundamentals then you can get some very quick wins, you know, in terms of focusing on cash, knowing where you are, where you've been, where you're going, and making sure everything's real time and up to date. And you you then engage with the bank on that basis and you give them all this information. You've got the bank eating out of your hand because most banks and funders don't get that quality of information. So it immediately takes you up to the top five or 10% and they think, this is wonderful. I've got all this information, right? Okay, let's have a chat, right? Funding's in place. Okay, it's not, it's not always as simple as that, but it can be, and you just understand the key metrics in your business. So from that perspective, sector doesn't matter. And of course, if you're not up to date with the record keeping and your cash flow and your in your books, it's very. It can be a very stressful place to be, can't it? As a business it's, owner, I've, and, I've, I've always said, how how can you run a business without a forecast? And I ask people this. I I wonder how many of your listeners actually are sitting thinking, I don't have a forecast. 
And you know, and my question to them is, how can you run your business without a forecast? How do you know where you're going to be next Friday or at the end of the month or at the end of next month? It's absolutely impossible. I think it's quite often that, uh, as you say, a lot of the construction businesses are skilled tradesmen that have actually built a business, you know, built a business around them over yeah. time. Yeah. It's something that they probably haven't thought of. They're not aware of how much easier they can make their business, how they can scale their business and who to bring the, in when. That, But that's the point. This, this goes back. This is why I created the Know Your Numbers, because they don't know what they don't know. And that, you know, that's not a criticism in any way. It's just because they've not they've not been taught in it. And I, I had a guy, um, two groups ago, there was a guy who'd been running his own business for 35 years. And he emailed me after the first session, two-hour session. He said, I've learned more in two hours and I've learned in 35 years. We need to start working together. There's a guy in one of the current groups. He's 27 years, been running his own business. He's saying, I can see the light now. I now understand my numbers, you know, having done a few sessions. So the, the, the thing that I, I always say to business owners is don't be scared. Um, about admitting you don't know these things because I'll put my hand up I don't know how to build a house I don't know how to fix a roof I don't know how to go and do someone's electrics because I've not been trained in that you've not been trained in finance so there is nothing there's nothing you can ever say to me from a financial perspective and I'll think you're stupid you can ask me any question whatsoever and I can guarantee you will you're very unlikely to ask me a question I've not been asked before so it's about me educating people and saying if we focus on this Here's how you'll improve profitability, or if we do that, you'll improve cash. And if you can do all of those things, you certainly increase the value of your business and you reduce the stress as well. One of one of the things I do in a, um, on a weekly basis, I've got about 10 meetings on a Tuesday. I do half-hour sessions, half-hour catch-up sessions with my clients, and we go through the rolling weekly cash flow forecast. So we look at last week's actuals, look at where we start the week, and then we'll look out for the next 13 weeks. Now, it's not an exercise in precision or accuracy. We're just trying to get a feel for, can we pay the wages? Can we pay the VAT? Can we pay, you know, whatever over the next period of time? And it gives us time to put something in place if there's a shortfall. There was, there was, there was an MD said to me last, it was then towards the end of last month, we were doing the, the cash flow and the, the wages were due on the Friday. And he said, this is just brilliant because I can see that we can pay the wages for the next three months. What used to happen is on a Friday morning, Karen would come to me and say, how are we paying the wages today, John? And that's how they operated. And, and I think there'll be lots of businesses out there who operate like that. And as I said, you don't need to because there's a lot of very simple things you can do. And on, on, the, on the Know Your Numbers website, there's actually a training academy. So it's a free training academy. Knowyournumbers.biz, go into training academy. There's about 70 videos there that will explain profit and loss account, balance sheet, cash flow, funding, gross margin, EBITDA, all sorts of stuff. Because the, the whole point there is to try and educate people and help them. That's excellent. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners to the podcast that would be very, very interested in that academy. You know, and, and I think the first step is to actually uh, appreciate that you need some support. You need to, uh, you know, to, to be able to reach out for the support. Because as you say, sometimes it's it's a bit, you may be a bit embarrassed. You might be, I don't really know my numbers. How do I talk about it? How do I fix it? Am I? Can I really get to grips with it? And, and, and that's not that. That's something that honestly is is very easy to do. I think the other thing that concerns some people is the they, they look at it as a cost to the business. And I I, I view what I do and, and a lot of related things as an investment because if you think about it, if if you're making you're making an EBITDA of a hundred thousand pounds, 
and you can go and raise some 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 working capital and you can take your EBITDA up to you know 500 let's say or you know or, or get it to a million like some of my clients have done the cost I certainly don't charge you know 900,000 for for a year um, and, and, the, and the funding doesn't cost that so when you take out the cost of that funding and you know my costs or other finance costs you're making significantly more and not only or not only are you doing that you're, you're paying yourself more your business is worth a lot more and and your stress levels completely reduce completely um you know you can you can actually sleep at night rather than working worrying about how you pay the bills next week thinking again about especially subcontractors small uh, small trade you mentioned earlier that they're you know they just increase the hours they do and they don't really allocate themselves as a cost to the business you know they're they're kind of giving their time free yeah um how would you you know how could somebody like that actually start to think about their business as uh, them as if they've got to pay someone to do what they do you've basically just got to decide to do it you know with a lot of people like that you, you actually don't have a business in that situation you've got a job and and I know I don't mean to be cruel to people who are doing that but it is because the business is so heavily reliant on you that you're having to do you know 10 14 16 days six days seven days a week you don't actually have a business and what you got to do is just take a step back and look at right what do I actually need here engage with someone and 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 whilst i criticize accountants a lot there are a lot of good accountants out there and if you can find the right forward-looking accountant or part-time finance director then you know go and do that you know it's it's certainly well worth the investment of getting their time get, making sure you get the right financial information to run your business because it, it will more than pay for itself you know pay for itself many many times i had a company i did some work for about a year ago we're raising some money for them. They were a construction-related business, Groundworks, turned over about a million pounds. They they thought they could get to about ten in two years. So it was quite interesting working with them. So we put in place a put in place a, a working capital facility of half a million pounds, which is pretty good for for a business that size. And they subsequently decided not to take it. And the reason they decided was it was going to be too expensive. They didn't want to pay my fees. And all their customers paid them in seven days, right? So I, I said, well, the first two, the first two we can deal with, right? In terms of your customers paying you in seven days, I can guarantee they won't continue to. What will happen when they don't? Because you've got no backup. Oh, they will. They've said they will. Okay. So I, I'd said to the two directors, like, if you're serious about growing this business to 10 million, then you need to take this funding and get someone like me involved. It doesn't have to be me, but get someone. So I was told I was condescending and I didn't know what I was talking about. Nine months later, the business went into liquidation. That's just a, a prime example of someone being very short-sighted, focusing on the cost rather than the longer-term benefits of it, and, and, and just being naive in terms of cash. Their customers would keep paying them in seven days, which was never going to happen. I was, I was surprised it lasted as long. So for, for someone who's in that position, just take stock of where you are, work out, work out the opportunities you've got, work out how much, work out how much money you're losing by all of these opportunities you're not getting to. You know, add them up, work out what your margin is, and work out how much that would be worth to you if you had them funded. And then work out what it's worth to you to be working half the number of hours you're working and actually having a sensible and, and, and reasonable life. I never really understood that principle until I uh, sourcing businesses for people that wanted to buy buy businesses. And I, I kind of looked at the due diligence around that. And I thought, I wish I knew 
I wish I'd looked at how to buy a business before I started a business because it kind of gets you to look at yeah. your own business in in a, in a way from a from a business perspective rather than looking at it from a personal perspective so you you know you've got to you've got to see whether that business is 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 viable and if you're in the business as you said earlier if you're in the business and you and the business depends on you then it's not really a business is it yeah, yeah, and, and in terms of buying, I've, I've I've had this discussion with many people recently, and and looking at the importance of numbers and picking key numbers in 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 a company's um, financials. If I was only allowed to look at two numbers in a company, right, the two numbers I would pick would be the gross margin, so gross profit divided by sales as a percentage. I want to know that, and I want to know what the EBITDA is. Don't care what the turnover is. Don't care what anything else is on that basis, because I can work out from that how good a business it is because if you've got a business that's got a high gross margin then you've got a very valuable business you've got a business that's differentiated you've got a business that that can dictate price if you've got a business that's a low margin business you're a me too business you're basically you're in a fight there on price and you will not be able to dictate your terms you will be dictated to all of the time and ultimately EBITDA is what drives the value of your business you know it's the effect of the cash profit that you're generating from your business so if that's only two things I I, I could get from any business that's what I'd want to know and I would encourage anyone listening who's a business owner to actually know those numbers in their business but more importantly work out how you can influence those numbers how can you make those numbers better what do you need to do to manage them it's not just a case of knowing them but understand what 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 goes into them what's behind them and then how you can influence that because that's how you will drive up your value and you will improve your cash flow I wonder if you could just explain for some of the listeners the EBITDA formula because that that's a very important one, isn't it? Yeah, there's a there's a video on the on the Know Your Number site that explains EBITDA. And EBITDA, and if you take the letters, it's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortisation. So so what it's trying to do is um, well, it's, it, it it does two things. It lets you, it effectively lets you know the cash profit you've generated from your business. So if if you if you were dealing purely in cash. On, on a on, on a day-to-day basis your customers were paying you every day you were paying your suppliers every day in your wages that's the that's the number you would make um at the end of the day the month the, the year and and the reason we strip out interest and tax in, in terms of comparison purposes is that we could have two businesses in the same sector but they're funded differently so they could have different tax structures or we could have one business that's funded completely in equity so they don't pay any interest one business that's completely funded in debt so they're paying interest so that then equalizes and lets us compare and the reason we strip out depreciation and amortization is that's just a bookkeeping entry and again I'll, i won't go into details on depreciation and amortization but there is a there's a there's a video um on on the website about that as well could you just give us your website again so that people could could refer to that yes it's knowyournumbers.biz there's also craigalexanderrattery.com which will give give the different links to that. What I can do is put the put the links in the in the podcast afterwards, and then people that are listening to it, companies that listen to it that are really really interested, that want to go over there. And how could they actually contact you direct, right? Best place is uh, going on to LinkedIn. I'm I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn every day. I, I do a post on LinkedIn every day. Um, it's just Craig Alexander Rattery. So Craig, have you got time for a quick fire round? Of course, of course. Sounds like fun. Okay, here we go then. So the first question, 
how do you how do you start your day? I start my day most days round about 4 a.m. between 4 a.m. 4:30. Uh, I do my morning prayers. I'm, I'm Greek Orthodox. My wife my wife's Greek. Um, I check my emails and depending on what I need to deal with in my emails, I'll then go into the gym. I've got a gym in the house, so I'll do some um, do some weights, do some spinning. When are you most productive? Definitely, definitely first thing in the morning. Um, I'm 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 straight into sixth gear in the morning, Stu. <laughs> uh, I do I do struggle come sort of four thirty-five. Um, I'm 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 on the decline at that point. What's something new happening in your life right now? I'm learning Greek and I'm building a house in Crete. What does adventure look like to you? Running a business without a forecast. <laughs> I like nice one, nice one. What thing would you love to do that might surprise your friends and family? Well, I've, I've got a fear of both heights and water. And something I said last year I would really love to do is do a skydive. And I would love to swim a mile in open water. Name a challenge you overcame that changed your life. I said at the start, I think the biggest challenge was just being born in a council flat and 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 making making my own way from that. You know, everything I've ever done, uh, I've done myself. My father said to me very early on in my life, "If you want anything, just work hard and go and get it." But I think probably the biggest challenge was getting through my second divorce. What? Or who inspires and motivates you? Ah, right. That's, well, that's an easy one. Self-made people. I love people who are self-made. I've got a variety. I've got, I've got numerous clients who have either they've come from nothing, they've, they've, they've come off the tools, or they've been made redundant, or they've just gone and created something. So I, I look, I look at people like Sir Richard Branson, Sir Tom Hunter, and Lord Sugar, and I, I have a, I have um, an imaginary board that I have board meetings with occasionally, and the three of them are on it along with Martin Lewis, and uh, the Sir, Sir. Um, Richard Branson, he could basically turn anything into a commercial venture. Sir Tom can basically sell anything, and Lord Sugar makes sure you make sure you're generating profit and cash. So it's a great it's, it's a great um, match. And with you on the board as well, it's even better. I don't think I'm anywhere near their level, Stu. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 getting there. You're getting there. What does success mean to you? Happiness and making my own decisions. What advice would you give to your young self? <laughs> listen more thank you craig that's amazing advice and one that i think we could all take to be honest yeah. but you've been amazing it's been an amazing interview so much information came out there and I, i'm sure it's going to be an a, amazing resource for those listening that want to find out a bit more about their cash flow and get more confident with their numbers so thanks for coming on much appreciated pleasure thank you you've been listening to construction cash flow Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, so you never miss an episode. And remember, the faster cash flows, the faster wealth grows.